Welcome to the Agency Collective Tales with Ellie Hale, our podcast chatting to our brilliant agency owners about all things agency life. So today I am joined by Amanda Jackson from Tigerfish PR. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Amanda. Thanks for asking me, Ellie. Well, you're very welcome. Much beloved member of the Agency Collective community. <clears throat> and I have harassed you into doing this podcast, which is so strange because you are always there giving the best advice and supporting <laughs> us all. I don't know why you were so nervous about this. Well, do you know what? It's a really strange thing, isn't it? I've spent my career, my whole lifetime, pushing other people to the fore. So I really prefer to be behind the scenes and pushing other people forward, which is why I think I work really well with the type of clients that I do, because they're usually introverts as well. So I kind of understand how they feel and I make it easy for them. It's quite scary putting your own view forward, putting your head above the parapet, I think. Yeah, it can be really frightening. So let's start at the beginning and just tell me about your experience prior to starting the agency and what sort of pushed you to do that. So I started off in manufacturing. I got a science degree, worked in manufacturing for three years in the packaging industry, running machine trials on great big noisy corrugators. And I loved it, but I am just way more of a people person than a machine person. So whilst I love that manufacturing environment, I'm probably too nosy in fairness. So I had a moment where I had an opportunity to change. I'd never even heard of PR. So this is back in the day when, you know, there wasn't a PR degree or anything like that. And I can vividly remember standing in a phone box in Chester with the yellow pages, calling agencies alphabetically in Manchester. And I got a job with the bees. It all started from there. It was so fortunate, really. So I worked in agencies for maybe a decade. And then it was one of those moments where I was being wheeled out to some metal basher and the people I was with were over-promising what we could possibly get in terms of PR coverage. And I just thought, I can't do this. I want to deliver something that is ethically right for the company, that is right for them, that actually we can achieve instead of selling a dream that is just impossible. And so added to that, you know, I'd got two children at the time. It was a juggle. And so it was a case of, right, let's just do this the way I want to do it. So do it ethically, working with people that I like and delivering them a really great service. So because of my manufacturing background, they were the people that I really drew towards. And here I am. I've been running Tigerfish now for 20 years. Amazing. And, and I love it still. You know, when you have a job, it doesn't feel like a job because it's just great fun. That's what everyone wants, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't feel like a job. <laughs> so you get the jackpot there. But you, you've been really niche right from the get-go, haven't you? That's been your specialism. That's been your industry where you have put all of your PR expertise. What do you think the strengths and weaknesses, I suppose, have been for you as an agency owner in doing that? I think when you start a business, an agency, any business that you can get is great. And so I kind of got involved in a variety of things. But from anechoic chambers to warehouses, that's pretty much what I deal with. I think the benefits of working with exclusively now manufacturers and logistics companies is that I talk their language. I know what's going on in their sector. I can really get under the skin. And I think that has a lot of strengths because it's 
I wouldn't want a generalist working on my team. You know, I need somebody that can understand the terms. Everyone talks their own language, don't they? So it's like having a language speciality. So with the manufacturers and the logistics companies, we get it. So that works really well. I suppose there is a downside in as much as I turned some business away, which actually is quite nice. I suppose the other thing over the years, I have really started to work with people that I like. So that's a big criteria because I'm lucky. You know, I've not got a huge agency. I work with a regular team of about five. But the thing about communications is that I'm building their reputation. And so in order to work, I really have to buy into what it is that they do, the way that they do it. It makes it a stronger relationship, I think. Yeah, absolutely. If you like the people you work with, yeah, Yeah, it is more of a team. So not to put too fine a point on it, I am putting my company's reputation on the line. If the people that I work for don't hold that same ethos, if they're not doing what they say they're going to do, then that's not great for my reputation either. Yeah, no, of course, absolutely not. You mentioned there that you've got a small team of five freelancers, isn't it? That you don't have any full-time staff. And I'm just interested to know, you've been going 20 years. What was your reasoning behind that? Because I think for any agencies listening to this, they can really feel under the pressure to hire full-time staff, to push, to grow, to scale. When in actual fact, do you have to? What's been the secret to Tigerfish's success, even though you don't have any full-time staff? Do you know, I've been listening back to some of your podcasts on the Agency Collective, which are brilliant and absolutely inspirational. And I've been listening with increasing horror, thinking, oh, gosh, everyone's got such big agencies. But the fact is, this really works, I think, if you have a team of people that you can call on. So I pull in the right people for the right client, which is an absolute boon for everybody. But I think that one of those light bulb moments for me was having tried to do everything myself and thinking, just running myself in circles. To bring in other people that have more ability than I have in certain areas, that makes complete sense. So the people that I work with are great at what they do, but I feel like a great big circus leader organising this team and it just works. So I think I have spent a number of years thinking I'm underachieving here, I need to be doing more and getting people on board. But honestly, I never wanted to employ people. That office politics, I don't have to have, which is such a boot. So in normal times, what I do is I work in a shared office. So I have people around me. So I have all that office conversation. I see other people working. It's great. But they're not my people that I have to manage, which is better, frankly. So, yeah, I think I've got the best of both worlds. You get all the perks of the team without all of the hard graft that comes with HR issues and people management. You love running the agency. You don't love running stuff. I think that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely all right. You've got to sell your own ship and run your own show, right? And what is always so evident with you, Amanda, is that you love what you do. You still (laughs) love what you do. You love what you're doing for your clients. You're so proud of it. And I think if you've managed to do that yourself without building a team, then there's something in it. Not everyone needs to have full-time staff. Working with freelancers is A-OK. Well, and they're great. I just came to that realisation. I had held off for maybe a couple of years because I'd always thought maybe they're not going to deliver or maybe they wouldn't want to do this. 
And then I thought, actually, you know, I deliver a really great service for my clients. I'm really skilled in what I do. Why wouldn't other people be? So I kind of built the team up on that. They are such brilliant people that I work with. But I do like teams of people, which is why I also do quite a bit of work with the CIPR, the Chartered Institute of Public Relations. So I chair one of the subgroups there and again have the most fabulous team of people that are on my committee. And it's really affirming dealing with people who are as enthusiastic about what they do. I love that. Absolutely. What do you think, because you've been a member of the AC for a while and you hear fellow ACers talk about their issues or their challenges with their agency. What do you think some common PR mistakes that people make are? Well, some of the things that we say are getting to know your audience. So if you have a very large audience, then you can't get to know what they all are like. So you have to be more of a generalist, whereas if you're more of a specialist and going with a niche and you're not trying to boil the ocean, that makes everyone's life easier. Because people look for companies that understand them, that get them. So I think that's one of them. You know, I reckon it's all about content, communication and collaboration. Each of those individually, they don't stand alone. I think you need a combination of them all. So it's looking for opportunities to share your information and some great information. So you know that film, Build It and They Will Come, that Field of Dreams film. And I always sort of like, I was shouting at the screen going, no, no, that's wrong. It's not Build It and They Will Come. It's Build It and Tell Them About It. And they will come. So it's the telling people about it that makes such a difference. Oh, my goodness. That is such good advice. What is it, though, that people feel that the imposter syndrome or is it people just feel nervous or people think, why is anyone going to want to listen to me? What, What do you think it is that holds your clients back? I think it's all of them. And I think what everyone needs is somebody behind them going it's okay you can do this you've got some great ideas just do it and so we all need people like that i've got one of my clients on a really big podcast next week and so we've done some training on that on what to say what not to say honestly if only i could practice what i preach ellie i would be brilliant (laughs) you are brilliant So, you know, I think we all need that bit of a nudge, don't we? We all need somebody behind us going, yeah, you'll be fine. This is going to be great. Brilliant. I think we all do. Yeah, absolutely. So is that a lot of what your role is? You have to do some encouraging and some coaxing, but also you come up with a lot of strategy for your clients as well, right? Yeah. So I come up with a lot of strategy. We look at how they're going to get to where they need to get to. It occurred to me a while ago that actually not everyone buys what I think I'm selling. So I think that we're selling PR and reputation building and influence building. And actually what a lot of my clients are buying is somebody on their team. So somebody to support them in what they're doing. Because imagine, you know, a lot of these companies that I work with, they don't have huge marketing teams. They have maybe a lone person in their department who is just ploughing their furrow and around them everyone else is investing in machine or kit or warehousing space or trucks or software and actually the marketing budget always takes a hit because people don't understand what it is in those environments and so I think sometimes people are buying somebody who will just strengthen their resolve to stop them feeling quite so isolated in what it is that they're doing. 
yeah, yeah I understand that it's so important isn't it the relationship building part of it yeah very much so so I have those lone marketeers I have introverts obviously there are people that I work with who are great at communicating and getting their message out but most are too busy on the day job mm-hmm and why wouldn't you outsource that to somebody who does it with a passion and that just takes that off your shoulders? You oh, know? my God, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, delegate, delegate. <laughs> Which is why I like having my team. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but what has it been like being in your niche in the past 18 months? Funny you should say that, Ellie. The thing is, whenever I speak to people about PR, I do some lecturing at universities and... The students there, they all want to go into fashion PR or FMCG or events or or retail. And really, manufacturing logistics has been a Cinderella topic, to be absolutely honest. Everyone goes, really? But somehow in the past 18 months, they've become the heroes of the world. Because without stuff coming in a truck, we wouldn't have anything around us. (laughs) You look around, everything has come on a truck. Oh my God, especially in the toilet paper fiasco days. Absolutely. I think the early part of the pandemic really, really shone a light on how important our logistics sector is. This isn't a nice to have. This is a we really don't continue without it. And manufacturing. Oh God, it's absolutely integral, isn't it? We've just got to see how much that boat stuffed everything up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The logistics chain for everyone was just like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. So from zero to hero, basically. So COVID, Brexit as well has had an impact on a lot of supply chain issues. But we're here, we go from strength to strength. Really, it makes it even more important to get the message out. And the sector's changing so much. So there's a lot of reshoring, bringing manufacturing back to the UK to shorten the supply chain. There's a lot going on in the freight tech world, which is an area that I'm doing a lot of work in at the moment. So this is not so much the trucks and sheds as it's referred to, but this is the tech behind it, the software that actually makes all this happen, which is fascinating side and a real growth sector. So it's really developing. Yeah, really developing. And rail as well. There's a lot going on with HST, so I work within the rail sector as well. So Exciting time. Every day, every day. Honestly, when people say, oh gosh, B2B or specifically manufacturing logistics must be really dull. Oh, absolutely not. I just love it. And helping other people where I can. So if any of the AC members have got a challenge, I'm always here to bounce some ideas off. I've been in the sector a long time. (laughs) I've seen an awful lot of changes. And I think with that comes a degree of perspective, a degree of, you know, (laughs) nodding and thinking, "Mm, well, it's probably not going to last. Don't worry. (laughs) We'll get through this. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see what the next 20 years have in store for you at Tigerfish. Yeah. You just love it, don't you? You're not stopping anytime soon. You're going to carry this on. I think I probably am. I do feel really lucky. The fact that because I enjoy it so much, it never really feels like work. And so, you know, long may it last. Brilliant. What an inspiration. Thanks so much, Mandy. You've been fab. Thank you, Ali. I've loved it. Thanks so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, stay in touch. And if you like what you hear, come and find out more at theagencycollective.co.uk.